Hey, um, it's great to be able to be together and to wrap up our, our Malachi series. I'm really excited to be able to teach. Um, it's, been, it's been a bit of a minute since I've, I actually have taught, and um, this year has been the weirdest year when it comes to like, sickness and stuff in our, in our house, and um, we've just had, like, just, I don't know, every sort of like, sickness you can possibly get, I think we've got. And it's, it's just been a horrible year of like this, that, the other. And then the October holidays, Sarah and I both got sick. Um, we both got glandular fever, and that, was a, that wasn't a whole lot of fun. And um, it just feels like we were really just like excited to not be sick for a bit. Um, and then we're thankful that's, that the winter is over, and now finally we're in summer. But like, Pammy, you can't even tell if it is summer yet. Sure you can't? Like, I, I'm a strong advocate for Palmerston North, but I'm struggling, people. Because I want summer to be summer, and I want winter to be winter, all right? I just don't want them no merges. I don't want to have four seasons in one day. I just want summer to be summer and winter to be winter. But, um, yeah, I'll have to move up north, I guess, if I wanted that. And, um, yeah, God's placed me here, so I'm stuck. Um, <laughs> this is, it is wonderful to be able to bring um, our sixth passage um, in, in Malachi, which is the final week of our book. And um, I have absolutely loved seeing how this has all come together. Um, we sat down at the start, like Isaac said, and we planned this out. And looking at the book at the start, we had the same impression. We're like, oh, why did we choose this again? And then you read through it and you go, wow, you can really see why God has, God has been faithful to these people, even though they haven't got things quite right. Um, so we said at the very, very start, and I just want to recap um, to bring this all back together, that the book of Malachi is, is broken up into these six disputes between God and His people. And throughout this book, the Lord has spoken to Israel through the prophet Malachi. And He's shown how people have broken that agreement with God by first off questioning their love for them, by disobeying the law of the covenant, by defiling His altar, despising His name, by questioning His justice and robbing Him of His tithes and offering, and declaring Him unfaithful and untrustworthy to keep His promises. And then the Lord pronounces His judgment on them and warns them that He is coming in judgment. But thankfully, like Malachi does end on a brighter note, um, and, and we're reminded that it's not the whole nation that has, has ended up this way. It's not the whole nation that's turned away from God and His covenant um, that He had made with them. And within the nation, there's this faithful group of Jewish people who have uh, not followed the way of the rest of the nation. They've stayed true to what the Lord has, has asked of them and His covenant with them. And in the closing verses, we focus on this faithful group with the encouraging words that the Lord has not forgotten them. He has not forgotten them in the day of the Lord when Jesus returns, um, and it will look so much different for them than the wicked. Through these consequences, God has warned the Israelites throughout the book that they've been, they've been really severe. They've really been severe warnings. And we see again that this is not too late for the Israelites to make a change. He's given them an opportunity. Our God is the gracious God. He gives them away. He gives them away. He's a God of mercy and of grace. And for those specific individuals who took His, his, his warnings seriously, God goes on to write their name in the, in the scroll of remembrance. You know, and here's the thing, serving God may not always feel straightforward, but God sees our faithfulness, and He remembers it. So I want to give us this to start off with. God is faithful to those who are faithful to Him. God is faithful to those who are faithful to Him. 
So in chapter 4, we essentially see God summarizing everything that he promised he will, um, he'll be faithful to in the previous chapters. Um, this is how God's seen um, he'll deal with injustice, that he'll be, he'll, he'll be good and faithful to those who are faithful to him. And, and he gives the original readers a glimpse of what to look for in the days that are to come in verses 5 and 6 in chapter 4. And this is significant as Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, so these predicted events would be, in fact, the, next, uh, the last time they hear from God for a while before it's recorded. Uh, and the future hope that Malachi is pointing towards, that the whole of the Old Testament is pointing towards, what the prophets have been talking about, is the next part of the story. And on steps to the scene is Jesus and the New Testament. Which brings us to our, our series next week, which is Behold. Behold. Looking at the Son, the message that He brought, and ultimately Jesus as King. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to look at the passage today. Um, Turn with me. Um, If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. So Malachi is the last book of the Bible. And in in that book, it actually has a a few strange chapter breaks where you feel like it it, it needs to continue on. And and interestingly, there is no chapter 4 in the Hebrew Bible. The six verses of chapter 4 are, are, are verses 19 to 24 of chapter 3. Um, but for those of you who care about the minor details, um, there's a free one for you. Um, that, that this, is, this, is where, this is what it reads. So let's read it together. Chapter 3, verse 16 onwards. Then those who feared the Lord talked to each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in the presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored His name. And on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possessions. I will spare them, just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming, will, I, will set them on, I will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left for them, to them. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his race. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees the law and laws that I have given him at Horeb for all of Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. And that's where the, the Old Testament finishes. That's the last words of the Old Testament. So at the very start of this passage, we see a group of people, and they're described as those who fear the Lord. Those who fear the Lord. We're informed at the beginning of this passage that there is a, there's a group uh, among the Jewish people who really feared the Lord. And this word translated, this, this fear word, it, re, it refers to uh, a reverence or a, a respect and awe of God of who He is. Mixed in with that respect and us awe is a little bit of what we understand fear. Because after all, this is the God, the creator of the universe, the God the sovereign Lord of everything and everyone. This is the all-powerful, all-knowing God who is everywhere at all times. And this is where the fear comes in. But that is tempered with this respect and awe because even though God is all those things, He's also faithful. 
compassionate, merciful, and gracious. And those in Malachi's day who feared the Lord understood these things about God. And as they heard these words of the Lord through the prophet, um, the words of judgment, we're told that they begin to speak to one another and the Lord hears them. Now, we're not privy to what they said to one another, but I want to guess there might have been a bit of chat about, oh, like there's a lot of talk about judgment here and what's going to happen to those who don't fear the Lord um, and they're going to be swept away with the wicked. Maybe they had thoughts about maybe we're going to be included or maybe we're not. That conversation would have been interesting to hear, right? But to encourage this faithful group, God hears that and he says um, to this group of God-fearing Jews, uh, Malachi assures them that, that God is 100% paying attention. He's, a, he's paying attention. And this is what he says. He says, I see you. I see you. Those who have been faithful to me, I see you. I know who you are. And I won't forget you. I won't forget you. I won't overlook you. I see you. Wow. Isn't that a reassurance for those people? You know, he heard them talking to one another, and uh, Malachi says that the book of remembrance was written before, uh, before him for those who fear the Lord and esteem his name, which literally means those who thought about his name, they understood who he is, and for that reason, they seek to honor him and live for him. They feared the Lord. And this book of remembrance may be a reference to, um, we're not entirely sure, but maybe a reference to the, uh, the book of life that's mentioned later in Scripture, where the names of those who put their faith in Jesus Christ is recorded. You see, the Jews of Malachi's day would have quickly understood the importance of a book of remembrance. They understood what this meant, and this is really helpful for them to paint the picture, because the Persians had a custom of recording in a book all the acts of a person who would be rewarded in the future. So if you remember the book of Esther, um, you will, uh, uh, there was a story in there that, that tells us about this, that, that one night the king of Persia, he, he couldn't sleep. He couldn't sleep, and he had the books um, that, of the remembrance of his reign brought to him and read to him. And in, in this reading, he discovered that there was a Jewish man named Mordecai who had uncovered a plot um, to have the king assassinated. And when the king heard of this, he asked, you know, how has this man be re been rewarded? Um, and he had not been rewarded. So the, queen, the king rather um, rewarded him on that day because of the book of remembrance had reminded him of the man's service to the king. So they recorded the good things that are happening. You see, in the same way, the Lord will remember those who are faithful to him, to seek to live according to his covenant because of their faith in God's promises. And ultimately, we see that when he sends us Jesus. The, the Lord declares to those who are faithful that they shall be his and in the day of the Lord, which means the return of Christ, they will, He will set up His kingdom, and He'll prepare, prepare us and make a way and, and, and call together His treasured possessions. You see, with those who feared Him and esteemed Him, who lifted up His name, imagine these Jewish people, after all the craziness of what had been going on, those who feared the Lord, those who were faithful to, faithful to Him, He called them their treasured possession. Wow. And this treasure possession, it wasn't material things that God was referring to. No, it was talking about His people. It's people who've been redeemed through um, their following and being faithful to God. You see, God promises that during the judgment, the day of the Lord, that He will spare them as a father spares a son who serves Him. And that word spare is the Hebrew word that means to show mercy and to show compassion. 
Literally, it's an act of showing concern for another, resulting in an act of kindness or compassion. And because this group is fearing the Lord, because they're faithful to Him, He shows concern for them, and He spares them. Just as a father would have concern for his son that is obedient to him and spare them, spares him from judgment. We read this also in Psalm 103, verse 13. As the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I pick up on that for a reason. Have you ever considered yourself a treasured possession of the Lord? Those who follow Christ, those who have a relationship with Christ, have you ever considered yourself a treasured possession of the Lord? In 1 Peter 2, um, in the New Testament, verses 9 and 10, it says this, But you who are chosen, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light, once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you've received mercy. God's special possession. Wow. God really loves His children, doesn't He? Maybe some of you need to know that today. God really loves His children. Just as God had promised this group of Israelites in Malachi's day that, the, that He saw them as their tre His treasured possession, that He would spare them from that coming judgment, Peter calls, this, uh, calls God's people all over the world that have received His mercy, that have accepted Him as their Savior, they will be spared from God's wrath against sin because of our faith in Jesus Christ, in the death, burial, and resurrection. Hallelujah. Because of Jesus, there is a way. There is a way. Those who feared the Lord. Malachi goes on to describe that there's a, a distinct difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. The Lord declares that there will be a clear distinction between the godly and the ungodly when He comes, between those who serve the Lord and those who do not serve Him. The distinction is clear to all. You know, in Israel's history was full of examples of when God intervened, uh, intervened and, uh, and the wicked were judged and the righteous were spared. There's lots of story and testimony of that right throughout the Old Testament. And the future day of the Lord will be even more distinct as the Lord will completely destroy the wicked and the righteous through the de physical deliverance and the bodily resurrection will be God's treasured possession in His kingdom, fulfilling God's plan. And this distinction that, that was coming um, was, a, was to produce hope and encourage those that who are righteous to continue to keep going, to strengthen their faith, to give them a strong encouragement that you're doing the right things, you're being faithful to me, and I want you to continue to be faithful to me, and I'll remember you. And when the Lord returns, I'll remember you, because God is faithful to those who are faithful to Him. God is faithful to those who are faithful to Him. The Lord goes on in, in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 4 to describe what, that Lord, uh, what the day of the Lord will be like for the wicked and the righteous and how the distinction will be seen. And this is not an easy, easy read, is it? It says this in, in chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. The Lord declares, uh, verse 1 rather, the Lord declares, surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. And all the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. Right throughout the Old Testament, um, the prophets often described the judgment of the Lord against the wicked as fire. 
is fire. He says, when this day comes, there will be no distinction between Jew or Gentile. No, no. It will only be between righteous and the wicked. Those who are saved, those who are lost, those who follow Christ and those who don't. The Lord declares that his coming will be like a furnace for the wicked, the arrogant, those who are proud, conceited, self-willed, or self-righteous, and not at, all, not at all humble before the Lord. The Lord says that the arrogant and all the evildoers will be like chaff. And chaff is this, this hull that contains the seed of grain, and, it, and it's thrown away once, it's, once the seed's removed, and there's no use for it. And in the, in the ESV, and the NIV, it translates to, to stubble instead of chaff. And the Hebrew word can mean either, so we don't have to get too hung up on that. But I believe stubble fits better in the context since chaff does not have a branch or a root. Stubble is what's left in the field from the grain after its harvest. And you can just imagine that there's a bit of root and there's a bit of a branch and there's some leftover stubble. And the fire of the Lord, the judgment that says that it will burn right to the ground, everything will be gone. And it will become ash, completely destroyed. And we read again in the end of Revelation about this destruction. That'll be for those who oppose the Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. But we live with a, with, a, with a living hope that there is a way to be redeemed. There is a way to come back to the Father. And because of Jesus, that doesn't have to be our fate. That's not the fate of the righteous. Those who fear the Lord in the coming, those who worship God's name, that's not what's going to happen for them because the Lord declares instead of being devoured by the heat of the, heat of the wrath like the wicked, those who feel the fear Him will feel the warmth of His healing and His light. It will be the Son of Righteousness risen with healing in His wings. Now, I've never put these two and two, and two together, um, but the, the, the Christmas call, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, if you look at verse 3, it says this, Heal the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Heal the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lays His glory by, born that we, may, we no more may die, born to rise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. That's reference to the Messiah. It's, it's reference to Jesus. There's an opportunity for us to be restored. That's good news. His coming will be much different for those who put their faith in Him. And this reference to healing, we must not limit that to this physical bodily healing, but actually that's going to cure sin. It's going to be gone. With this healing coming only through the death, the burial, resurrection of the, the Son of Righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord says that the righteous will leap like calves released out of the stall. Calves, after being penned up for a long time, a long period of time, they rump for the sheer joy that they're released into the sunlight. And the righteous in the kingdom will be joyful and it'll be vigorous, it'll be wonderful. Can you imagine that? You know, thank God I don't have to worry about this old knee and I can jump around like a cow. Malachi then finishes up chapter 4 by this encouragement. That gif was incredible, right? <laughs> And as we come to the close of the Old Testament, this is how the Old Testament wraps up. The Lord gives this encouragement to this group of, of faithful followers. And He promises this just as um, He said He will come again. The encouragement is just before the nation of Israel enters into this intertestament, uh, intertestamental period of 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And when Malachi closes, Israel don't receive another prophetic word from a prophet until John the Baptist is seen on the banks of the Jordan talking about Jesus' is coming. The Lord, the Lord encourages this group. He, he gets quite specific with them and says, look, you remember my servant Moses and, and what he taught you out of the, the laws and the ordinance that he commanded for all of Israel? Well, it's your opportunity now to step up and to follow these laws and do it on your own, and I want to see how you do. The Lord is reminding these people that it's the same God who gave the law to Moses that I'm the same God today. And it's your opportunity now to, to follow that and obey that. And even though God wasn't um, speaking through any prophets or anything, God was still faithful in that time. And we see that when He sends Jesus to us. And as we come to the close of this chapter, we must just pause and reflect at the promises that the Lord made to this faithful group of people in Malachi's day. Because the Lord said to him, you're not going to be forgotten, don't worry. I see you. I see you. I see your faithfulness. And you don't have to worry. You won't be swept away in judgment that it's, it's coming um, towards us. You won't have to worry about that. You keep being faithful. You keep committed to Christ. You keep going. You keep going. And the Lord promised that those who feared his name, that in that day, the, the Lord, the Son of Righteousness, would rise up with healing in his wings. This truly has been a fantastic book to look at, the book of Malachi. There's been so much in it that we've learned from it. And I, and I see this as the stuff that we've learned. Firstly, I, I think it's really important that we, we recognize that God says that I have and I will always love you. I have loved you and I'll always love you. Praise God. I feel like he's saying to us, I, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me because I have a plan and I have a purpose. We struggle with that one, don't we, sometimes? Sometimes we want our own um, stories to be written, but we have to trust God that He has a plan and a purpose. Because why? Because He said He does. And thank goodness that He will continue to show His mercy in our mess. We recognize that we won't do it all perfectly along the way, but God will continue to show mercy in our mess. And all the hurt that's caused by the wicked in this world, all the hurt that we experience, God says, trust me, I have a plan to deal with that injustice. You have to trust me. I have a plan to deal with the injustice. And then God says, hey, could you do me a favor? Could you do me a favor? Could you give me your best and not your leftovers? Could you give me your best and not your leftovers? Could you remain faithful? Because God is faithful to those who are faithful to Him. That's what God wants from us. He wants our best, not our leftovers. You know, and as I was praying and thinking about this sermon, this sermon as we wrapped up this series, I asked myself the question, what's God been teaching me in this? What's God been teaching me? And it came to me that life, in life we really desperately want to experience the fullness of God. Those of us who follow Jesus Christ, it's our desire to experience Him in the fullness. We want, we want God in, in, in every shape and in every form that we can think of. We just want more of Him in our lives. And that's, that's great. It's absolutely great. But the problem is a lot of us want to keep on living our lives as if Christ isn't in it. And then we expect Him to show up whenever we need Him. That's hard. You know, I want all of Christ... 
but I can't give up the drinking, or, or I want all of Christ, but I can't stop the temptations to sin. I want all of Christ, but I, I, I have to keep living with a sinful desire. It's just too hard to stop. I want all of Christ, but I'll talk slander about those people. I'll tell them I hate those people. I want all of Christ, but I can't address the pride in our lives. You know why? Because I'm too proud. I want all of Christ, but I can't let go of sin. And we're trying busy to, to carry two, two hands in, at the same time. Church, what happened to I surrender all? What happened to I, I give you my life? What happened to you're more than enough? Because remember, God says, I'll remember those who are faithful to me. If you want all that Christ has to offer you, you might have to release some stuff and give him your all. And he promises to show mercy in our mess. We might not always get it right. He understands that. He's a gracious God. But he wants us to strive for the best for him. He wants our best, not just our leftovers. Sometimes we just got to let go of some stuff and receive what he has for us. You know, as a church, we, we often offer prayer down at the front. And, and I know at times it can be, be hard to come down. I appreciate that. And you know, we don't want always to be that the only way that we can pray for you. Come and grab us after. We'd love to pray with you. If coming down to the front's too hard. But I want to invite people into that space tonight to be able to receive prayer. Maybe you need help with that sin that you're struggling with. You know? Maybe you need help with that. Come, come receive prayer. It's a great place to start together on that journey. Maybe you need help with the physical pain that's affecting your mood and your, and your attitude. Come, come and receive prayer. Maybe you need help as a couple that you're going through. is It's quite tough at the moment. You know, come and receive prayer. We'd love to pray for you. There's people here just who, who love to pray with people. Maybe you, maybe you need help with the struggle with lust at the moment. Come, come and receive prayer. Because remember, God is faithful to those who are faithful to Him. God is faithful to those who are faithful to Him. Do you know that... Um, through all of this, this has been quite a, you know, this has been a message really specific to us, who, those of us who follow Christ, to keep going, to keep being faithful to Him, and He'll be faithful to you. But we're about to move into a time of communion, and, and, and communion is an incredible way for us to share the good news of Jesus and what it means. Because ultimately, we take these, these emblems, the juice, the bread, or the plastic wafer, whatever it is these days, and um, we remember the act of what Jesus did for us on the cross by by, by suffering in our place. He gives us a way in a relationship. He gives us a way to have a relationship with the Father, to restore the broken relationships. And, you know, maybe tonight you're thinking, wow, like, I, 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 I need to receive that tonight. Maybe you're thinking, I, I don't want to be caught up in the judgment of the Lord. You know what my prayer for each and every person here is? That none of you ever get caught up in the Lord's judgment. That we'll all be in heaven together that you receive Jesus tonight. Tonight would be a great night to do that. And that's simply by asking Jesus to forgive you from your sins. Asking Him to be part of your life and giving your whole life to Him. And it might sound confusing at the start because you don't even know what that means or you're not sure how to do that. Well, the first thing you could do is be here in this community and we'll encourage you along the way of what that means. But I'm telling you now, following Jesus is the best decision you'll ever make bar none the best decision. And we saw that tonight with Lucy. How incredible was that testimony? God is so faithful to those who are faithful to Him. God saw her well before she gave her life to Christ and put the people in her life who exactly she needed so that she would make that decision to follow Jesus. 
And you're here tonight, not by chance, not by mistake, because we believe God is all-powerful, all-known, and He knows that you're going to be here. And as we, as Christians, come tonight to take communion together, I remember being described this way. You know, often if you have this image that we, we like to carry our burdens on our back, and we carry our struggles, and often we just walk around with these, uh, um, these are imaginary struggles, uh, bags, by the way, um, we, we often walk around with them all the time. That hurt, that pain that we're going through, that struggle that we haven't addressed, that, 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 that sin that we're really grappling with. And, and what we do is we come up to the communion table. If you picture this, we come up to the communion table with these bags on our back, and we simply take the emblems and we walk away, and we sit down again, we take the emblems, and our bags are still there. Do you know that every time that we take communion, we're taking an opportunity to meet with Jesus and to thank Him, who can take away those burdens, who can take away those bags, and can fully restore people. So as you come forward to receive communion tonight, my encouragement for you is to drop the bags, <laughs> to drop the burdens, stop the struggles, receive prayer, spend time with Jesus, because He can change your life in ways that you've never experienced. He's the same God of Malachi that said, I remember you, I see you, and I will be faithful to you. It's the same God that we serve now. Tonight's the night that you write your name in the book. Hallelujah. Why don't we pray? Father, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. And Lord, at times we try to balance life and we try to balance everything that's going on and often we, we carry our struggles around with us and we don't just come to your feet and lay it all down and say, here, Lord, here I am, use me. I surrender it all to you. Lord, I'm so, so thankful that that even though in our mess, Lord, you're, you, you meet us with mercy and grace and you say, I love you. I want you to give your best to me, not your leftovers. And when Jesus returns for the day, that, the day of the Lord, that he will be faithful to those who've been faithful to him. My prayer is that each and every one in here will be faithful to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.